Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the first episode of Focus on Art here in the Bahamas. We are sponsored by the Creative Center Bahamas, a place where you can actually rent the studio for photography or any events that you may want. Uh, so come on, look them up on Facebook or on Instagram and give them a call today. Today in uh, the studio, we have a guest. His name is Gildan Gilbert. Yeah, that's, a, that's not a usual name that you might hear. But um, his name has been growing in popularity over the past three years. And Mr. Gilbert, he is uh, primarily a photographer here in the Bahamas. And uh, what, what type of photography actually do you stick with? A uh, number, number of genres, but I, I think I'm becoming fairly well known for my sports photography. Sports photography. Okay, that's pretty good. Anything else that you actually cover, or this is just that? Um, well, recently I went back after a number of years to shooting and developing film. Really? Really? Who uses film, man? A lot of people use film. No, man. Not in this country. Who uses oh, film? You, not, where do you even get that developed? I develop it myself. Okay. See, that's what I'm talking about. No one does that anymore. Yeah, yeah. Develop, scan, but, and but print. Film, of all things. Film, of all things. Man, we're going to talk about that in a bit. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. What else are you, got? What are you, up? What else are you doing? Because like, uh, you're a photographer. I mean, yeah. it's easy nowadays, right? Like, what, what, what do you do? Whatever's in front of the camera will get shot. <laughs> You sound like a hunter now. It's like, <laughs> shoot whatever comes in the red. All right, that's interesting. So whatever comes in the camera, and let's shoot it. So let, let's jump back to that sports photography for a second. What is mm -hmm. sports photography in here? Uh, sports photography is the capture of, for me, the capture of action. It doesn't necessarily uh -huh. have to be a sporting event. Right. It could be a car moving down the road. What? And you, and you, and you, you, you pan that car. That car is in motion, and you, you create motion. In your, in your panning effect. And you call it sports photography? Of course it's sports photography. It's, sport a, it's a no moving sport. subject. You had to move Any subject. moving subject is sports. But no, in, in, <laughs> in, in, typically what, I, what I'm shooting for sports is track and field. Okay. Uh, okay. Football, well, I call it football. The, the world calls it football. The U.S. calls it soccer. Soccer. Okay. Uh, wait, wait, wait. So you just gave away something. Because if you called it football, where are you from? I'm from Bermuda. There we go. Now Born <laughs> and raised. <laughs> See, your words gave you away. Indeed. Right. Indeed. We, we, we know it as soccer. We call yeah, it but soccer. it's football. We, yeah. The British. FIFA has football in the word. That's the European word. That's right. not European. That's, that's, that's the name of the game. It's football. That's football. Okay. It's football. <laughs> so you photograph football. You photograph track and field. Swimming. Swimming. Okay. Now, that's a sport. That's interesting. And how's that been going, actually? Let's talk actually, about that for a second. Actually, good, good. Uh, my, daughter, my daughter swims competitively, so yeah. uh, I might get to spend a lot of time around the pool. Okay. Um, and I did a shoot with the swim club the other the other day. Good. You know, just just bringing some flash into the uh, into the images. So you you got into swimming because of your daughter, or was it something you doing? Actually, before because that? of my son. My my son swam when he was younger. Oh, so you were like the dad with the camera. I was the dad with the camera. <laughs> now I think I'm probably I think I'm one I'm one of the only ones that's on the sport on the on the pool deck shooting. Why, you chased everyone away? What's happened? Uh, well, when you show up with a 200 to 400 millimeter lens, everybody gets scared. Yeah, that's, that's intimidating. <laughs> that's intimidating. <laughs> I can't even shoot my iPhone or anything like that. You come with this big lens. Yeah, so exa I, I exactly. exactly. So with the, this, the track and field, because we're going to be moving back and forth between uh -huh. these things. Track and field, how is that going, especially here at our stadium? Do you shoot here or abroad, or what do you do? Uh, typically here, I mean, I was contracted to, by the local organizing committee to mm -hmm. shoot the IAAF World Relays which unfortunately the Bahamas no longer hosts. 
Right. Yeah. Um, I shot that for. I think we had it here for for three. There were three sessions here. So I shot all three sessions. Pretty cool. I was on the contract for the Carypta Games, which is the Caribbean, essentially, the Caribbean Youth Olympics, if you wanna. Right. Right. If you wanna label it as such, um, and then some of the local track and field. Right. So I'll go out and shoot. Take me through. Take me through a typical shooting session for a track and field. How does that work? Um. Well, typically what I'll do is what, what most photographers here don't do is mm -hmm. uh, one of the first things I do is set up a camera at the finish line, a, rem a remote camera. Okay. So I can, with a wide angle lens, so I can capture, you know, the, the finish. No matter where I am on the field, I'll drop a, a trigger on the top of the camera, right. and I can trigger that from, from the camera I have in my hand anywhere on the field. So, so... Primarily, you that's two cameras we're talking about. One that's in uh, your hand. I typically have three cameras. Okay, where does the third one go? So I have well, two cameras with me. So okay. I would have the finish line camera with a wide-angle lens mm -hmm. on, a, uh, on a stand. Right. Obviously not, not moving. Um, and then I will have one camera with a, you know, a long lens, either 300 millimeter or the 200 to 400. Mm -hmm. And then I'll have another camera with... 70 to 200, but I also have my 24 to 70 with me to switch it out for, for closer, you know, for, for closer action. Right. So I can lay down on the side of the track, for example, and catch runners taking the curve. So you time yourself. Okay, then. Because I'm, I'm still thinking about this one at the finish line with the wide angle. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> let's take the 400 meters. Mm -hmm. Where would you position yourself, first of all? Where would you position yourself for the 400 meters? It, I mean, it would, it would vary because typically you have heat. So maybe one, one heat, I will, I'll be at the starting blocks. Right. So catching, you know, I'll, I'll choose an athlete and I'll catch that athlete coming out of the starting blocks. Mm -hmm. for, an, for the next race, I may go to the far curve. So just before right. they make the, the, the curve coming into the home stretch, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll position myself there. Um, sometimes I'll position myself right on the home stretch so I catch the athlete more or less coming towards me. Mm -hmm. And then as I'm, as I'm shooting that athlete, uh, my, my, my finish line camera is also firing. So I get a lot of wasted images Yeah. because yeah. whenever I trigger the camera in my hand, it's going to trigger, trigger the trigger camera that. at the finish line. And then I just make sure I capture, the, I capture the, the runners going through the finish line. So when they're going through the finish line, you actually have to watch where they're running no matter where you are. And press that trigger. Yeah, either press the trigger on the camera or press the trigger on the on the release. On the remote. On the top, on okay, the remote that's the part the I was camera. trying to figure out. I'm yeah. Like, okay, how do you? <laughs> yeah. How does that work? Yeah. All right, that's that's, a, that's actually pretty sophisticated type of. Yeah, I mean, there's there's some things now. that I I would I would like to do more when it comes to track and field because, you know, most photographers in shooting track are going to be track side. Right. Um, you know, now you're bringing some. You know, there's drones sometimes that come into the the fly over the event. Mm -hmm. But what I'd like to do is hang a camera with, you know, with an arm up in the, up in the ceiling. Okay. You know, and capture, look down on the, on the event. So the entire crowd, you mean, or like the crowd in the... Uh, uh, if I put a, put a fisheye on there, I can capture the entire stadium. That is true. In fact, I actually, cause because you mentioned about track and field, there are some photographers I've actually followed um, in the United States. And because you talk about three cameras, these guys have the entire stadium. They, they yep. work for the stadium. So they have the entire stadium rigged with cameras. So, and as you mentioned, as they shoot, these cameras are shooting as yeah. well. So, but their pockets um, are deeper than mine. Well, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs>
what I'm getting what I'm getting paid to shoot is is is, is pittance compared to what they what they so, get in gear. Okay, I want to talk about pricing, but let me kind of come back to that for a second because pricing is such an interesting thing. Let's go to swimming. The mm-hmm. what is it called? The Betty Kelly. Betty Kelly Kenning Swimming Center. Swimming Center. So there is it between that and the track and field stadium. Mm-hmm. Do you think they actually consulted photographers and videographers based on their design? Is is design to the point where you know what this is actually great for photographers and videographers, or is it like you just have to figure it out? Um, you have to. You really have to figure it out. Wow. I mean, you know, the reality is, if you take a look at the track, the track is not designed f- to host an Olympic Games, for example. Right. So you don't right. have the photographers' pits. That's uh, the thing. Uh, yeah. Um, when we first, when the track first opened, and you know, the the first events were held. It was really a juggling act as to where the mm-hmm. photographers should, should be, be, where they could go, where they couldn't go. Right. Um, and then eventually with the IAAF, you know, a certain number of photographers were allowed infield. You wow. know, so they give you two different color bibs. One you're allowed infield. The other photographers had to stay on the outside of the truck. So if, not, if they don't have a photographer pit, I mean, because now you're, you're literally in view of the runners on it could be distracting to the athletes themselves so i do they have any plans to try and put something in place well typically you're not in the runner you're not in the in the eye of the okay. of the athlete okay. because you know for example if you're looking at the 100 meter race yeah the photographers are situated at behind the finish line right so like right by the curve they should be if you go straight along, yeah. right, in that yeah, area. Yeah, because typically okay. the athletes will follow the curve as right, they finish right. the 100-meter race. So the photographers tend to shoot directly onto the finish line, and that's where you need, you know, a long lens. Definitely, you because know, that's, a, that's a good distance. 70 to 200 is not going to work. Right. The athlete will be very small in the frame. And one of the reasons I invested in the 200 to 400, it gives me a versatility of a zoom, but it also allows me to fill the frame. In most instances. Definitely. And I, I prefer to fill the frame. So gear is important when it comes to specific sporting events then. Yeah, indeed. So let's jump over now to swimming. Mm-hmm. How is that designed? Where do you position yourself for swimming? Like, do you have a place where you can stand away from the officials, not blocking the, the, the bystanders? Where do you, where does that you, you, you typically, you, you, as a photographer, you have to be cognizant of where the officials are. Right. So I actually work with the officials. Uh, you know, the officials are, are used to me being there now because I've been shooting there so long. Mm-hmm. I, you know, if it's a, I mean, the pool is a 50-meter pool. Yeah. So if it's a 100-meter race, that they have, the swimmers have to flip on the end, and, and the, the back, officials right. have to watch them flip. Um, so I just make sure that I'm not in the way of the officials doing, doing their job. Right. And again, shooting with a 300-millimeter or 200 to 400, you know, I can just allow the swimmers to come towards me as I to fill the frame. Okay, good. Because I was wondering about it because they're walking up and down the, the pool, and I'm just wondering if you're going to see that flip or the, the touch the finish line. Can you put a camera like at the finish line? To what I like to first? do. Uh, I, one like, of is there a I've, place for that? There's no place where you can connect unless you put it on the on the on the board they dive off. Right. Uh, I don't know. I, that's not a question that I've, uh, I've, I've asked as yet. But well, one, of, one of the things I'd like to do is put a camera in a waterproof housing at the bottom of the pool. Yeah. I'd love That'd to be pretty do that. Cool. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. Because at the Olympics, they have it where it is actually slightly below the water line to actually show that final touch. Again, that's so designed for design, photographers, though. Yeah, see? So, we, you know, we built it for the sport, but we were not thinking about capturing these things. And I find that no. photography is never really taken serious in the Bahamas. 
Um, it's not taken serious in, in, in many, many places. places. Right. I mean, but we're a small country. Take, we talk but about this all the time. You, you have somebody, you know, a couple are getting married. Right. They'll spend thousands of dollars on a wedding dress. Exactly. Thousands of dollars on a cake. Yeah. But then want to spend two hundred dollars on photography. Yeah, man. I don't know. The wedding, the wedding dress disappears <laughs> after the wedding. The wedding cake gets eaten. Yeah. But your but your photographs are there it's forever. The only thing. So the only thing you really have after your wedding is your ring and your wedding photos. And the, and your photos. And, and that's it. And they still exactly. skimp on that. And they skimp on that. And then you're upset when it comes. Up. But even okay, I want to come back to sports. We're going to jump quickly because I want to get to that point where we're talking about in the Bahamas. And I think it's there's something we need to talk about it when it comes to photography. Even of political figures, um, I not have interested. Some what, why not? I mean, seriously, not not you per se, but but there no, should I, no, be documentation. No, yeah, I, I, documentation. I, I, agree. I mean, it, it see ph- photography documents history exactly. And what I find here in the Bahamas is that's not something that we focus on. We don't focus. Society as a whole does not focus on documenting history. I mean, for example, you know, I heard that I heard the story with reference to. Sir Lyndon Penling. Right. Um, when it came to putting him on the dollar bill, they had couldn't to search find, to find, exactly. they couldn't find an image. Couldn't find anything. You know, I mean, I mean my thing, I actually, I actually reached out to the prime minister's office okay. at, at one point suggesting that the office hire a full-time photographer to follow the prime minister around. But don't they have that now? I, th- I think with the FNM, they actually have someone actually following the... Well, I, I had put that out there after the, after the election, and I do understand now they have a photographer, which, which, is, good. which, is, which is a good thing, because yeah. forget, forget the politics of it all. Forget you know, the, the one party versus the other. I mean, exactly. I'm, not in, I'm not interested in you know, the, politics the politics of, of it. it. Right. It's really the documentation, documentation of history. Exactly, of what's actually going on. Because no matter who holds the post of prime minister, mm-hmm. they are still representing the country, exactly. and that should be documented, you know, you know for you know, 100 years down the road. Okay, you know, XYZ was prime minister during this period. Right. You know, here, here in, in photographic documentation, here's some of the things that he did for the advancement of the country. And I think America does really actually leading the, the pack on that. Um, I think the guy's name is Peak Souza. Yeah, he was Obama's, Obama. Obama's personal. So those amazing images we find like on Instagram. Everything was documented. It's like that is amazing to, so, to see, okay, what type of person he was while he was in the White mm-hmm. House. Even with uh, George Bush Jr., when he was there, he, um, what it was it? It's an iconic photo of him in the in Air Force One. He's looking out the window. Yeah. After some, Katrina. Right. Hurricane Katrina, yeah. I'm like, no, that is something that needs to happen over here because we Everywhere. have these. Yeah. Listen, Paul. This is ridiculous. No matter where you stand on the political spectrum, it's, it's history. You're right. For, for that country, it is history, and it should be documented. It should be documented here in Obama. So, and, and that's uh, where, you know, on, on that note, then, that leads into what you and I are participating right. on, the Bahamian, Bahamian Project. Bahamian Project, great. You know, the, the, the Bahamian Project is a, is a project where we are documenting in portraiture mm-hmm. the essence of Bahamian life. Most uh, you know, persons who did, so, not, even, not even, what I like about the Bahamian Project, before I say that, before we talk a bit more about it, what I really like about it is that you're not only photographing politicians. Well, you're not photographing politicians. That's the whole also, essence of the project. Because so many people um, contribute mm-hmm. to the Bahamian society Outside and they go of politics. Yeah, exactly. So, so what we're trying to do is shed light right. and focus, quote-unquote, focus on Bahamians making a positive difference in their country, and they may not be getting recognition for it. Most people this may not even true. know what they're doing. 
So how many persons have you photographed so far for this project? For this project, I think I've photographed uh, 12, 15 maybe. Okay. And which ones do you think stand out the most of your images? Um, hmm. Our favorite persons with like the, the most interesting story. Who has really good stories that they're very, they're not known as well, but they're very good stories? It's that many? You like thinking? I'm just trying to, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just trying to think. Um, you know, one of the persons that I photographed was, was Nick Dean. Okay. Now, most people may not know who he is. Mm -hmm. The Chinese built the, the national stadium. Right. But Nick Dean was the, was one of the engineers on the project, a young, project. a young Bahamian, you know, lead, he was one of the lead engineers on the project. So, so, you know, I documented him in front of the stadium. So you're, so, which is quite interesting because now here it is, you're a sports photographer shooting in the stadium and you photograph one of the lead architects on the building of the, mm -hmm. the studio, the stadium. Yep. That's pretty awesome. So like you said, his name is Nick Dean. Mm -hmm. No one really knows who he is, but he played an instrument role on, on a, uh, huge construction project here in the Bahamas. Now that's something actually to be celebrated. Oh, in, indeed, indeed. So how, how many, how long has the Bahamian project been around? I mean, how many years has it been going? Well, Duke Wells started the project, I believe it was 2012, so 2011. Yeah. Okay. And uh, the first show was, I think it was 80 images that, that Duke shot. Right. So Duke started the, the project. And then after that show, um, he invited other photographers to participate which essentially expanded the project and I think allowed the project to capture more images right. in a shorter period of time. Makes sense. Um, which allowed us then to put on another show at the Central Bank of the Bahamas yes, with I that. 120 images hung and another 30 or 40 images on a video loop. Right. So that was a, that was a massive undertaking because now your photographer is pretty much uh, mainly in Nassau but all through the Bahamas. Through the Bahamas, yeah. And we had some family island images Persons. as well. Yeah. So that's really awesome because now we have actual images of people, Bahamians, who did something. That most people uh, don't know. Don't, exactly. Yeah. And, and really I, I, think, I think that's important to the history and the culture of the, of the country because the country is more than political figures. Exactly. So The country is its people. Okay, so with the Bahamian project, I understand that you've had some persons. Oh, by the way, I'm uh, I'm looking to steal Duke's idea. I've already <laughs> told him we're going to steal the idea and introduce it to Bermuda. So I've had okay. some conversations with a couple of photographers in Bermuda. But that's Be good because it, it, documentation. Yeah. For me, documentation is important. That's that's really good. So I want to talk about because um, I understand death. You have persons who died after they've been shot, and persons yep. who were on on the list to be photographed and passed died away. before they were photographed. So. Either way, one, it's a big loss if you didn't get to photograph them. Mm -hmm. And if you did, now it shows the importance of the Bahamian Project. Because Indeed. now we have something to actually document them. I actually professionally take in photograph that you can use. Yep. So that's pretty awesome. So how do you guys deal with, um, with the list of persons when it comes to, because there's so many people, can anyone submit a name? Yeah, through, through the website, www.bahamianproject.com. Okay. Um, anybody can, can submit a candidate. Right, because I saw a photograph of a, a gentleman, he sells phone cards yep. on the side of the road. On, on Shirley Street. Yeah, so I, I've been like, I didn't know he was, but now I know he is. Exactly. We see him every day. See him every day. So that's quite in interesting. Even, I think, Potcake was photographed Potcake as well. Potcake was photographed. See, these are people that we see every day. Yep. 
Um, we know who they are. We want to know more about them because you understand there's a little card beneath each photograph mm -hmm. that tells about who they are, what they do, and Indeed. things like that. Exactly. Man, that's pretty awesome, man. So what's the next step for the Bahamian Project? Do you know? Well, the, the next step is to continue to, to capture portraits of Bahamians, but it's, it's also, you know, what we're looking at doing with the project is expanding it beyond just, you know, headshots, right. beyond, beyond portrait itself okay. and shooting more. I mean, if you look at a lot of the stuff that I did, it's environmental portraits. Right. Because my, my goal is I'm not interested in shooting a headshot. Right. Um, a headshot can be used for an obituary, for, for example. But, <laughs> but it doesn't tell who it they are. It doesn't tell who did. the person is. Right. So what I try to do is put them in their environment. Right. For example, the image I took of John Cox, who's a, right. you know, a local well-known artist. artist. Um, I shot him in his studio mm -hmm. surrounded by his. He was actually painting as I shot him. Right. So, you know, that puts him in his environment. So somebody can look at that image and say, okay, this guy's. This guy's a, this guy's an artist. Right. Um, you know, you know exactly, you know what he does, and that and that's my intention. I mean, I one of the images I also captured was of Julian Francis, mm -hmm. who's a former governor of the Central Bank. So I put him really? in. A, I put him in an environment, you know, that matches his former position. Because I do remember some of your images. You had, um, like you mentioned, John Cox. I think you had. The architect um, was Patrick Pat, Ramming. Pat Ramming. Uh, Pat Ramming is is um, Pat Ramming is also a, a a musician. Exactly. But I decided to capture him in his art in his architectural environment because, you know, he was responsible, for example, for the design of the new straw market. Right. And that's actually interesting. Someone jump back to Pat Ramming. I knew him from his music mm -hmm. in particular. The Ramming Brothers. Right. So, to see him in that capacity not knowing that he was an architect mm -hmm. more like uh burnside i didn't i didn't know they were architects yeah i just knew them as artists but i didn't know so well i met i met jackson in his capacity as an architect that was my first introduction to to jackson so i think these behaviors are very multifaceted where they have many different genres or things that they dabble into mm -hmm. and i think you know the Bahamian project is kind of difficult to take let's say a person is interested in three things Yep. You can actually blend them together, but what are they most noted for or what they would like to be noted for, most noted for? And remembered so for, yeah. Right. They actually went down history now as being an architect. Like yep. I say, I always knew him as a singer, and I knew a few but songs. But he's also an artist. Exactly. So not and only book, see this and image. A, and, and, and a book writer. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, it's, it's his multifaceted. So, yeah, I mean, you know, you, you have to – what I did was I allowed the subject to tell me right. what they wanted to be remembered for. Exactly. That makes sense. So the Bahamian Project we were talking about, you said you can submit things at thebahamianproject.com um, for anyone who wants to. Yep. If, you, if there's put someone. A name, put a name forward yeah. with, with a brief summary of why you, know, why you think they should be captured. That would be awesome. So I think a person should really take advantage of that because sometimes you want, even like straw market, like straw vendors, market vendors. They, yep. they make some amazing things. I've seen some plots that were very, very interesting. And I think they should, their work should be captured. Indeed, you know? indeed. So, yeah. I think, I, you know, and, and the thing is, I think all of Bahamian society should be, should be captured. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, for example, Sophia Whitehead is doing, I think, a fantastic job with her book on Bahamian women. Right, um, right. You know, she's traveled through the, through the family islands, and, you know, she's captured some, some enduring images of, right. 
of these women. Um, you know, I think she's doing a great job. It's a pretty good thing we should get on the podcast and have a talk about yeah, I think, that. Yeah, I think that would be, be a good, good idea. All right. So let's get back to you because that was just a segue. That's just one part that you were actually interested in. So what we understand so far, uh, you're a sports photographer. Mm-hmm. You do sport, um, track and field, swimming, and... I don't want to say the word, not soccer. You football. Football. Let's get it right. To, let's get back to football. Uh-huh. So we now have a, 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 an official stadium, I yep. would say. How is that going? How is how's that set up? Um, well, I mean, the, I think the, the very first game that I shot was when Tottenham, uh, a, a large English football team, okay. um, played an exhibition game in the stadium against Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, there's one image that I captured that I I hold on to. It's an image of a football player by the name of Gareth Bale. Okay. He now plays for Real Madrid in in Spain. I think he's a hundred and eighty million pound player or ma- hundred eighty million euro player. Um, sure. This was his last game in a Tottenham uniform. Oh. Um, you know, so for me, that's an, for me, that's an iconic image. Right. Um, <laughs> and that was shot here in the Bahamas. And that was shot here in the Bahamas. That's pretty good. And then, um, you know, after that, I was contracted by the Bermuda Football Association. Right. Um, because Bermuda played the Bahamas in a World Cup qualifier. Good, good. Um, so I was hired by the Bermuda Football Association to capture essentially every aspect of the Bermuda contingent that was here. So I captured so, them in training. I captured them during the game. I captured them in the locker room. So who photographed the Bahamians? I don't know. I wasn't on the contract to shoot the Bahamians. <laughs> so this is very interesting because here it is. Um, other countries are seeing the value of photographs, mm-hmm. even in sports. But we are still lagging behind here in the Bahamas. But, yeah, and, I, and, I, and I think, I mean, to be fair, even, even in Bermuda, I think it's, it's still still has a long way to go. Right. Um, in that instance, I reached out to the Bermuda Football Association okay. and okay. I said, listen, you know, this should be documented. Mm-hmm. You know, Bermuda now, with a population of 65,000, has qualified for what's called the Gold Cup. Mm-hmm. The next smallest country in that Gold Cup is, has a population of, I believe, 180,000 people. Mm. Um, so Bermuda is going to be competing against the likes of Mexico, Panama, Jamaica, Big the U.S. There we go. I mean, it, it's, it's going to be a, a tough tournament, but that's history. Right. Um, and, you know, so I, I'm hoping that the Bermuda Football Association, you know, whether they contract with me or another photographer, mm-hmm. that they take full advantage of that because that, that's history. You're and, right. you know, it, it should be documented. You are absolutely correct. So... Because it seems like you cover a lot of different things in sports. So I have to go back in history. What got you started in photography? Oh, boy. Um, well, my, my mother tells me that I always had an interest in a camera. Oh, you, from a, from a very, you were stealing cameras as a kid. Uh, right? I was stealing cameras <laughs> as a kid, yeah. Taking, <laughs> taking, taking pictures. You know, my mother said as far back as three or four years old, I, wow. was, I had an interest in, in, in photography. But where I really dove into photography i was in 1980 i was 14 years old but those of you listening don't worry about the calculation there that's um, a long time ago um, <laughs> i did a, a program called the duke of edinburgh award scheme yeah that's a long time in the, ago in the bahamas it's called the governor general, governor youth, general award. youth award right so at the silver level i had to choose a hobby okay and when i saw photography was a hobby Mm. Uh, my my decision was I didn't even look at anything else, but through that what I what what we were able to do was 
shoot, develop, and print or wet print black and white film. Right. Um, and that really got me hooked on photography. And, you know, from there, I, I got a Canon, I hate to say the word Canon, but I got a, <laughs> I got a, I got a Canon uh, AE-1 program, camera. Right. And I was shooting, at that time, eight to ten rolls of film a week. And my parents obviously paid for the development of that film. That wasn't film. cheap. No, it wasn't, it wasn't cheap. But, you know, my parents knew that this was a passion of mine. Right. And, and they supported me in that, in that passion. And I had nobody to teach me photography. Of course, back in the day, no one taught nobody, photography. It nobody, was like a guarded well, secret. Well, a lot of professional photographers refused to teach because... You know, you were potentially a, a com- you were potentially competition, competition for them. Pretty much. So what I would do is I would actually take a notebook with me. I would write down the settings for every shot I took. So I would take the same shot five or six times with different settings. Right. So that when I got the images back, I could go back through my notes and see exactly what happened. Through that, ex- you know what I learned. Not, what I learned later to be the exposure triangle. Right. I learned, you know, how s- how the triangle impacted my images. So you pretty much just um, this is self-taught. This is self-taught. Oh, com- at complete, its best. Com- completely, completely self-taught. I've never taken a photography lesson in my life. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, you, I, I picked up the camera and 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 I learned. Right. So it's a bit different nowadays. I want to get back to your conversation, but it's a lot different nowadays because mm-hmm. we have digital. And you could take like a million shots and just pick out the best. Well, it's the like thing is, the digi- digi- digital. Come on, you and I teach photography now. <laughs> so, you know, and, and as we tell tell students, you know, cameras nowadays, you put them in automatic. They're going to give you some very good some images. Some pretty good shots. Yeah. You know, uh, but obviously, as a photographer, you want to control. You know what that image looks like. You want right. to control. You know the the shadows and the highlights of the image. You don't want the camera to make that decision. So, you know, you you learn how to manipulate the exposure triangle. And and I I think to date we've taught nearly sixty students. Pretty much, just about. And every one of those students was shooting on manual after the first hour hour and a half of class. I'll just shoot you exactly. It was actually not as difficult as most people think. You know. No, photography is not. As I say, photography is not rocket science. I mean, it's you know. What I said, even online, I, you know, there's some there's discussions online, you know, obviously on Facebook, photography groups about, you know, manual shooting in manual versus shooting in aperture priority versus right. shooting in program mode, um, and you know, some of the questions come up about, you know, how do you shoot in manual? Well, you know, as as, as you know, when we when we teach the class, we hold two variables constant, mm-hmm. so we'll say to the students. Put set your camera to ISO 400, set your f-stop to 5.6, mm-hmm. and now bring your exposure meter through your viewfinder to zero using your shutter using speed. Using your shutter speed, just moving it back and forth and, until you get that point. That's and, your exposure. And then you're, you're, you're more or less in proper exposure depending on your shadows yeah. and highlights, but it, it's really getting that's close your base. to... That's your base. Right. Um, and then, you know, if you keep two of those variables constant, I mean, you make, the, you make the artistic decision. Do I want to have, you know, do I want deep depth of field in this image? Or do I want shallow depth of field in, right. in the image? So you make that decision with the aperture. So you either shoot at f2.8, for example, to get shallow, shallow depth of field, or you 
shooting F-16, F-13 to get, you know, a more deeper, focus, a, right. a more, more in focus areas. You know, depending on lighting, you, de you decide what your ISO is going to be. You know through our teaching mm -hmm. that the higher the ISO number, the more sensitive the, the sensor is to light. So you, you select an ISO of, say, 400. The only thing you have left is your shutter speed. Exactly. You know, so it, it, it makes it very easy to, uh, you know, to shoot in manual. All right. So you learned in film, so, which means that was very expensive for you, and you throughout Not for the me. years. Not for me, for, for, for my parents. parents. <laughs> Boy, they had a lot of patience with you with that. They had a lot of patience with you. So when you switched over to digital, did you find out an easy transition, or was it difficult for you, or you felt like what, one of those persons who it wasn't going to work? Well, one of the reasons I switched over to digital is because I had my Canon AE-1 from so about... You that Canon again? About 19, yeah, I know. <laughs> but about 1981, uh, my, wife, my wife, who was Bahamian, we, we moved here from Bermuda in 1997. I right. still had the camera. I was still shooting with the camera. That's, you know, 16 years later. And then we moved into our house in September of 1999. And December of 1999, we had a break-in and my camera was stolen. Oh, man. So I was shooting with that camera for 18 years. Um, and it just goes to show you how, how versatile a film camera is. You, you yeah. know, it, it never, essentially it never dies. They were strongly built back then. I yeah. mean, they were not really as plastic as they are nowadays. Yeah. So they were heavy. Yeah, and then after... After that camera was stolen, you know, I didn't, I couldn't decide what I wanted to do. That was the, you know, the very beginning stages of digital. Yeah, okay. And I, I said, you know, does it make sense, you know, going and getting another film camera or should I, should I wait and see what happens with digital? So I, I waited, you know, and, you know, got a couple point and shoot digitals. Okay. Um, yeah, like everyone else. Like, like, like everyone else. That was my first foray into, into digital. And then he eventually, um, I started doing some research and, you know, looking, knowing what I like to shoot, mm -hmm. knowing that, you know, sports is something that I enjoy shooting. Um, you know, because a lot of people say, well, why Nikon over, over Canon? Yeah. I mean, you know. Yeah, what's the, the big we, bottle with we, this Nikon versus Canon? You know, we, we joke about Nikon and yeah, Canon, but it, it's just a name on the front of a camera. The camera is a camera is a camera. I, you know, the brand name doesn't matter. Right. Um, but... For me, it was the ergonomics. Mm -hmm. Nikon just felt Better right in my hand. Right. And not only that, at that time, Nikon had the D300, mm -hmm. which essentially was a sports, sports camera. camera. You put the battery pack on there, you get eight frames per second. Right. For sports, you know, frames per second is, is important. Um, at that time, I don't think Canon had a comparable body in a, in a crop sensor. Because at that time I wasn't okay, prepared okay, to spend okay, the five okay. or six thousand dollars for right. for a flagship camera, um, so I actually started off with the D90. Mm. Yeah, I remember. You know, it's a pretty good camera. It, it, it was a very good camera, mm -hmm. um, twelve megapixels. Um, so I shot that for I had that for about six months, and then I got the D300, and then I got the D300s. And then I moved to full frame, the mm -hmm. D700. Mm -hmm. And then I jumped to the D3 and the D3S. Um, all of them, by the way, 12 megapixels. Right. I, because I'm not interested in the megapixel walk. Megapixels don't mean a whole lot to me. What do you mean? Because people always say, oh, you need to get like a 36 megapixel camera right now. They have like a 40-something, I think. It sure, was. If, like, you, if, you do you? A, if you do a lot of cropping. Cropping? What do you mean? So, so, for example, one of the reasons I have a 200 to 400 mil millimeter lens for my for my sports right. is so I can fill the frame. 
Okay, so if you I'm, don't have if, to crop. If I'm filling the frame, I don't need to crop. If right. I don't need to crop, megapixels don't mean anything. Okay. So you shoot what you need to get shot. I, shot, I shoot what <laughs> needs to get shot. But, you know, you know, Nikon just felt just just felt right for me. Right. And, you know, now I'm heavily invested in, in Nikon. Um, so the likelihood of me switching brands is slim to none. Right. So right now you're on gas. What is it? Uh, no, I don't have gas anymore. You sure? No, no, I got rid of I got I, I got rid of the gas. My, my what is gas to people? My that tank is full. What, what Gear acquisition <laughs> syndrome. Because you you just named off at least about six different cameras right there, from the D ninety all the way up to what the D three S. Yeah, but now. keep in mind, I don't buy my cameras brand new. But still, you got camera. It's gear. Yeah, yeah, it's gear. It's gear. You know, but I buy as needed. <laughs> so okay then. So to anyone out there, if you're purchasing your first camera, because like some people ask me, okay, what? Is the best camera. People like to use this word. What is the best camera you can buy? What, what no such thing. Right. So what, what advice would we give them for that? It's the best camera. The best camera is, well, number one, the camera you have with you at the time, which yeah. for most people is your cell phone. Because if you don't have a camera, you have nothing to take pictures. You right. have nothing. But, but right. Be, beyond that, I think the, the best camera is the one you can afford. Is it a, a $500, you know, Nikon D, what is it, the D3000, D3, D3, yeah. wherever they are in that now, can take images just as good as the D5. Right. You know, it's just the features that are, that are different. I mean, the, the D5 is rugged. Right. You know, it's, it has weather, weather sealing. Mm-hmm. So you can shoot in pouring rain. I wouldn't do that with a D3000 because <laughs> it's, a, it's, a plastic, it's a plastic body. So, yeah. you know, to me, you know, it doesn't matter what camera you, you shoot with. It could be a Sony, it could be a Fuji, it could be a Nikon, it could be a Canon, could be, Pentax, it could be, could be things, yeah. anything. Right. Um, a camera is a camera is a camera. They they're all designed to do the exact same thing. Right. So it all, it you know as far as you know where you go in the line of cameras, mm-hmm. it all depends on what it is you're shooting. I mean, because I shoot sports, and I don't treat my cameras with kid gloves, so I need okay. I need equipment that's rugged. Not only that, when you and I, for example, shoot seascapes, there's yeah. times where that camera's going to get splashed by, splashed water, by yeah. water. So weather sealing, weather sealing is, is important. But, you know, a camera is a camera is a camera. Let's jump to that for a quick, for a quick second. Your seascapes, um, because you also mentioned sports, but seascapes, talk about that. What is a seascape, anyhow? What is that? Well, you know, I was fortunate to be born and raised in Bermuda, and now yeah. I live in the Bahamas. Two, yeah. two countries, two countries that are considered by paradise by... By the tourism industry, right? Um, seascapes is really, for me, seascape is it obviously involves water or the sea. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I like to do with with seascapes is use slow shutter speed, so you show some movement in the in the waves in the movement of the water. So yeah, okay. So seascape is pretty much anything with water with water. So you're surrounded by water. Anyway. Surrounded by water, island. exactly. So that's our, that's it, that's our, the sea for us is the equivalent of, you know, the mountains for somebody who lives in the Midwest or, right. or, so or like, out west in the U.S. If Ansel Adams was living in the Bahamas, he, he, was, he would shoot seascapes. seascapes. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Makes sense. Makes sense. A whole lot of sense there. So what's next for you? Because you, you, you're still, you seem to be into sports a whole lot. And that's the genre that you most identify with. Would you continue in that? Yeah, I mean, I, I, sports is something that I that I enjoy shooting. You know, sports you have to takes a lot of concentration. Right. Um, you know, shooting a sport, for example, like cricket. Mm-hmm. Cricket is a very uh, is a very slow sport. <laughs> um, 
so it it really it takes a lot of con- con- uh, concentration, a lot of patience. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's what sports photography. Is. Although some of the sports are fast moving, you still have to be patient. Right. Um, but you know, I'll I'll continue to shoot my portraits. I'll continue to shoot my my landscapes, seascapes. Um, most of what I'm shooting right now is medium format film on a on a Pentax six by seven. Your film. So you started with film, and now you're and now going right back, back to, to film. film. Yeah. So you go in full circle. Yeah. You know, people ask me why why film. Well, for me, film is an organic way of shooting photography. I mean, for what example, do you mean by organic. By organic, I mean you have to be intimately involved. You have to create the image okay so you can't see the image on the back of the screen so you have to have the image that you want to capture in your mind right including your highlight and shadow detail Mm -hmm. you know in in film you know the the saying is you expose for the shadows Mm -hmm. in digital you expose for for the the highlights highlights. right so what i what i shoot with film is you know if, if people are familiar with it i shoot the zone system which was developed by Anza Adams and another photographer. I can't, I can't remember his name. But, you know, I, I, I have a spot meter, a digital spot meter. So mm-hmm. I'll expose, and that gives me a number, let's say 8 or 10. Um, and then I just dial that into the meter, and that gives me the shutter speed that, you should get. that okay. I should get. But that's, you know, I meter for the shadow. That gives me 18% great. Mm-hmm. So what I then have to determine is where in the scale I want my shadows. shadows. Oh, okay. And okay. I typically want my shadows in zone three. Depending on the scene, maybe zone four. Mm-hmm. Zone three will give me sufficient details in the shadow. So, you know, if that eight gives me a shutter speed of, say, one two fiftieth at 5.6, mm-hmm. then I know that, you know, I either have to increase my shutter speed you know, or inc- or increase my my aperture, or okay. close you know close down my aperture. So what I'll do is, if it's giving me a reading of, you know, two fifty at five point six, then maybe I'll shoot two fifty at f eleven, to get so my shadows. With with all this calculation and metering and back and forth, what are you photographing with film? Per What's your typically subjects? typically landscapes, um, you know, some street photography, you know, old buildings and things okay. like that. You know, things that have... Things are not moving much there. Things are not... Oh, <laughs> not with the Pentax. <laughs> no, no, no. The Pentax is a heavy camera, and typically I'm shooting on, on tripod. Okay. And I'm shooting with a shutter release. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to be for sports. It's not mm-hmm. going to be for moving subjects. So, you know, portraits so are relatively So pretty much still easy. life. Still anything life. that's right. Anything right. that's still, yeah. All right, all right. So like the old buildings that like you mentioned, things... And we, we, the Bahamas actually in Nassau, we have a lot of old buildings. A lot of old buildings that are not maintained, right? Unfortunately, yeah. But does which make which good makes for good <laughs> good subject and good good black and white subject yeah. because that's typically what I'm shooting is black and white film. That's good, man. That's really really awesome. All right, so I'm still trying to get you to come back though. At, at some point, I'll get you back in. I, I moved to the phone era. I'm, <laughs> I'm a phone photographer now. I kind of moved towards. But that what now. the reality is, what it does, film photography really brings makes you cognizant of that exposure triangle. Yeah. You know, you yeah. have to work the exposure triangle. There's no guesswork in film. Right. And you have to know down. what what you want to capture. You have to know well your framing, number one. Mm-hmm. So your composition is extremely important. Right. Um yeah, you can scan the images and, and they beca- become a digital file and you can manipulate them. But for me it's it's not about you know post processing. 
Mm-hmm. It's about capturing what I want in the camera. In so camera. I make sure my horizon's straight. I make sure the composition is... I spend a lot of time making sure I have the composition that I want. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm shooting, you know, stairs going up at an angle, I make sure I, I have that 45-degree angle exactly where I want it in the, in the frame so I don't have to make, you know, I don't make any adjustments after the fact. And then, you know, I determine how dark do I want my shadows. That's a lot of time. It, it, it's a lot of time. It can take me... You know, sometimes three, four minutes to set up and capture one image. But <laughs> that's I, but that's the essence of photography, though. And nowadays, people just walking by with a cell phone. People just walking by with a snap and move on. <laughs> and that's why I said the difference in, in shooting film, especially the larger formats, medium format and, and you know, four by five, which is at some point I'll probably look to shoot, um, is you are actually creating an image. The camera isn't creating the image. The, the, the photographer is actually creating the image, you know, using proper compositional techniques, proper exposure techniques. So do you feel that shooting with a film improves your digital? Indeed. And it causes you to slow down. I mean, let's, let's face it. You know, I can, in, my, in my D3S, I have, I have two card slots. Right. So I can put two 30 giga, 32 gigabyte cards in there and yeah. have, what's that, 24... 24, 2,500 images. So I could, just, I could just shoot as many images as I want and right. then go back and pick them out. Pick them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I find now is even in shooting sports, after going back to film, I'm more selective before I press the shutter button. So then I have to spend less time go, you know, reviewing images to keep or delete. So it, it, it takes you away from that spray and spray. And pray. Yeah. So wedding photographers would actually do well if they go yeah. back to film because I, I found a lot of wedding. Actually, photographers I, just there's a lot of there's a lot of wedding photographers around the world now shooting film. Still, really? or still shooting film or going back to shooting film. Right. You know, one, you know, is also the quote unquote look of film that right. digital just can't give look, you. Yeah. You know, yeah, you have uh, you have presets in your in your editing process on digital that you know try to mimic film right. but it's not it's not the same thing oh, you know yeah, the, okay. the, it's you know the, that's digitally created grain with you know when you're shooting film the grain is what the grain is and it what i like about film is the it's perfectly Im- imperfect All right you know most people now get digital cameras and you know this the, the digital sensors are getting better and better but the image is just so absolutely perfect yeah. You know, to me... Life isn't perfect. Life, life isn't perfect, but to me, it takes away some of the essence of what photography is. Mm-hmm. For, you know, it, it's, it's high, it, you know, high definition. It's, to me, it's for, te- it's for television, not for, <laughs> not, 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 not for, not for p- taking pictures. You shouldn't you know? have to see the pores in the people's skin. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, a, a, for me, a, dig- a, a, a film image has character. Right. A digital image is just too clean and perfect. Okay. You know, and the reality is anybody can pick up a digital camera and produce, you know, a fairly, fairly good, good quality image. Based on the technology. The technology Based on the technology. With film now, I mean, my Pentax 6.7 is the premier lockup. So this camera was built, was built around 1969. Right. You know, that's the camera I'm shooting with. I also have a Nikon F4, which was the, the last of the dial 
button cameras. Mm-hmm. You know, everything is external. You know, after that, Nikon created the F5 and the and and the F6, which really looks like today's DSLR. Right. You know, so everything is at your you know so th- is is wheels and 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 buttons. Whereas on the F4 is dials, so you actually have to take turn the camera down and physically right. turn it. <laughs> and and I, I prefer that because it, it if I wanted to shoot in that in the format of an F5 or F6, I shoot digital. Okay, that's pretty awesome, man. That's really good stuff. Now, I have one more question for you, just to ask. Based on where photography is right now in the Bahamas, or even in Bermuda, or just in the Caribbean itself, mm-hmm. do you think that we are getting to a point where, or we will get to a point, like we mentioned with um, um, having governments, having photographers following their presidents or, or, or prime ministers around to document things, to photograph notable persons in each country, or even just the skill of photography? Do you feel as if it's growing or is it, going, is it just... You know, it's 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 just plateau. It's not going anywhere. Well, How do you feel about it? Well, one of one of the things, and I and I've I've read this in in numerous places, and I tend to agree with it. You know, technology when it comes to cameras is advancing, right? But the quality of the image really hasn't changed. So the final product is the not final. Changed. The final product is a properly exposed image, right? You know, the in digital, the you know, for example, you know, I talked about. You know the, the the perfectly imperfect imperfection of film. Film, right? You know, digital is just getting cleaner and cleaner and cleaner, um, but we're still taking the same the same images. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't think technology is really bringing about improvement oh, in photography. Right, right, right. You know, because you either have a properly exposed, properly composed image, or you don't. Right, or you don't. Okay. Whether that's film or digital. Um, what I think digital has done clearly is it made did, made photography more accessible to a wider portion of the market. Yes, you know because you know most a, a lot of people wouldn't be comfortable picking up a film camera. I think most of I, most is a strong word. A lot of quote unquote professional photographers today mm-hmm. who never shot film. Uh, would probably struggle if the, if you gave him a film <laughs> camera to to shoot. I mean, it, because the reality is, you know, it, film is opposite from digital. As I say, you you expose for the shadows versus versus the highlights. But it's what I find a lot of photographers, professional photographers, which I, I would like to see improvement on, is they don't truly understand the exposure triangle. Okay. So, you know, they 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 take a picture, then you see them look at the back of the screen. Chimping. They're chimping, mm-hmm. and over then and they're, over they're, again. they'll make an adjustment, chimp again. You know, my thing is, uh, what I like with film is you know that you've captured the image. And you can do the same thing in digital. Yeah. It's just, yeah. and I think having that screen there is, it forces the photographer to, to look at that, to look at it Let's and find it. something imperfect about <laughs> the image to make it, you know, to, it could be a perfectly exposed image. But every time the photographer looked at the screen, he'll find something wrong. And then you can take another shot. And, and take another shot. shot. And, then, and then you end up with, you know, 15 shots that are the same. Same thing, yeah. And how, how, do, right. you, how do you pick? And that's a, you know, and the cameras now, you know, when you're talking 45, 50 megapixels, that's a lot of storage space you need. That's actually a totally different aspect altogether when it comes to storage. But like you say... Because now cards are like up 128 megabytes, yeah. I mean, gigabytes. Yeah. So you're talking you thousands of images. Yeah. What, what do you do with all those images when you start downloading them? Yeah. You know? And, the scary, and the scary thing is, 
they have to be stored electronically. That's hard, the thing. Hard, hard drives, drives fail. <laughs> exactly. They I, do. I had I had a hard drive <laughs> fail, and you know I I I I had the data retrieved, but when I sit back and look at it, I have, you know, the I have my negative folders. Mm -hmm. I can I can put my negatives in there, and those negatives are always available to me. Right. I can't, you know. They're not going to just disappear through through some uh, you know maybe a surge comes through and kills the hard drive. I won't have that with film. Right. You know if I scan it, I can always rescan it. With digital, if that hard drive's gone and you don't want to spend the money to to retrieve, to, to retrieve then that, those images are gone. They're gone. They're gone. But we live in a digital world. When you look at Instagram, uh, most most oh, yeah, particularly yeah. Instagram, everything is digital. Yep. And and you have like I think it was some of over like a million images are uploaded to Instagram daily. daily. That's ridiculous. Yep. But like you mentioned, no one is really taking the time. It's just it, there's the rules of photography is just being thrown out the window. Yep. No one's really taking the art of photography. And, that, and I think anymore. and I think that's what's being lost is is the art mm -hmm. of of photography. Because um, when you look at okay, photography really mimics um, the painters of the Renaissance yep. era. And when you look at the lighting that we use, everything actually mimics the exact same thing. That's the art of photography. We're but not even talking about photographers themselves, but just the art, art of, of photography. Yeah. I mean, you okay? You 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 touched on the subject lighting. Mm -hmm. You know, one, you know, one of my one of my pet peeves when it comes to lighting is, you know, the complete removal of shadows. Right. You know, right. I see flat a lot. I see a that. lot of photographers just using flat lighting. Right. I mean, my thing is. The human face is not flat. It's three D. We have to make it that way. You know, right. and and I question: Do do these photographers really understand how to shape light? You know, mm -hmm. we we keep hearing about you know some photographers calling themselves light shapers. Right. But a lot of photographers aren't shaping the light. They're just, you know, the the light is there. They kill every shadow, and that's considered a good portrait. To me, I my favorite lighting setup is one light shooting Rembrandt. Okay. Because that way you get every contour of of the face. Now that's a that's a catch twenty two, right? And I'm gonna bring this up because we're getting mm. now into portrait photography. And um I think this is lack of education on the consumer side mm -hmm. because you can be the most art you can do the most artistic image, but because they don't know or understand this thing, consumers don't like it. They see something like I could say on Instagram, mm -hmm. it's flat lighting, it's boring, but they love it. They love it. Yeah. And, and here it is, you're taking a challenge. <laughs> you know, because I mean, you know see my, my thing is I I think we're losing, as you said, that art that artistic nature right. of of photography. I mean, for example, how many photographers now they shoot with one light. Not many. You know, it's, it's very few that shoot with one light. There's very few that I think that may understand how well, to shoot with one light. Yeah. Um, I mean, there, there's there's a you know, all of for me portrait photography. The essence of portrait photography is starting with one light. Mm -hmm. You and know, you build I, mean, from there. I, I mean, I see images of, you know, I see portraits where the photographers use five or six lights. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah, you end up with a nice, nicely lit subject, but there's 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 no shadows, <laughs> no dimension, no there's 3D. no there's no dimension. You know, when I was doing photography class, um, you know, a teacher told me is that you have to take a 3D image, put it on a flat surface, and make it look 3D. Exactly, that's a difficult task, a, and a, you a, do that through highlights and shadows. A, a, exactly, exactly, right. and you know, and then let's not talk about the post processing. Oh yeah, you know, I mean, you know, there there are photographers I've seen work mm. who. 
you know, they'll see one of the things if, if I'm shooting a portrait, mm-hmm. I will show the subject the camera. I will show them the, the image the that I've that this I've, is that I've captured. Are. Right. I've noticed some photographers don't do that. Mm-hmm. And I question is it because you really haven't captured a very good image and you don't want to show the work until, it's, until you have post-processing done on it. I mean, yeah. that's my, that's my question. Whether that's that, accurate or not, that, but that's my first question, is why don't you show this subject what you've captured? That, I found that some people use it as a marketing ploy, whereas they, they don't want to show you the image because they only want you to see the finished image. Which you know? to me is not... It's, it's, see, then, for me, a lot of the post-processing goes beyond photography. I mean, and you, a lot you, do. you and I have talked about yeah. this before. Is, you know, where is the line between photography and digital art? Mm-hmm. Well, yes. Because, yeah, the post-processing, when, when the person's skins, I wouldn't say just look plastic. Nowadays, they're changing their technique. And they're, they're, they're replacing the natural texture of the skin with mm-hmm. their own texture. They can use it on frequency separation. Right. Which is not a bad thing, but it, it's... It's overly done. Yeah. The skin, it's not human anymore. It doesn't look human. Yeah. In the fashion world. That's fine. Uh, that's fine. Yeah. You know, but for a person who wants a portrait for their birthday or their grandmother. Or their they should mother, look like them. Look, it should look the way they yeah. look at that time. Because now when you look back in time, here this woman is 65 years old, but yet in the picture she's, like she's 20. Yeah. You know? Like yeah. <laughs> to, to me, see, for, for me, when I shoot a, when I shoot a, well, I don't do a whole lot of post work. Okay. I don't do a whole lot of editing. One, because I don't know how to do a lot of the editing mm-hmm. styles. Okay. Two, I'm not interested. Um, <laughs> you know, so you because, don't, you're not even going to try to learn? Well, no, because my goal at the end of the day, if I shoot a portrait of somebody, mm-hmm. I want to be able to print that image, hold it up next to the person. See, this is you. And see and let them see that this is a reflection of them. Yeah. You know, with all of the editing. Listen, we all have imperfections. We all have blemishes. Mm-hmm. We all have one eye is smaller than the other. One yeah. ear is lower than the other. You know, it, we have those imperfections. I just find a lot of those imperfections are being taken away. And the image, the final image that is being produced is not that person. So we're actually photographers or digital artists. Digital photographers, I think we call them, or digital artist photographers. They're now putting a false sense of reality on people mm. because when they post these images, people are thinking that this is the way everyone should look. It's a false standard of beauty. It, it, exactly. That's so exactly that, what that it is. That really and messes with someone's psyche. And, and even, I, I think I saw something the other day with Tyra Banks. I think okay. she, she did a, another Sports Illustrated um, photo shoot. I think uh-huh. it was here in the Bahamas. But, you know, she, I don't think she had on any makeup. Right. Um, you know, so it, the images were of her. Right. Um, now, I have no problem with makeup. Makeup is, you know, is, is what it is. But, you know, for me, the heavy post-processing, and I don't have an issue with post-processing, mm-hmm. you know, because a digital image has to be post-processed in some way, shape, or form. And, you know, I, I, I see a lot of people put images up and say, you know, they put S-O-O-C, straight out of camera. Right. Well, there is no such thing as a digital image straight out of camera. Because the camera actually Because the it. camera actually retouches yeah. it, it to become a JPEG. <laughs> so, it, 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 you know, in that instance, you're allowing the camera manufacturer to determine what that image is going to look like. But it's still oh, okay. post-processing. Okay. But, you know, I, I just, I would like to see us get back to a state where we're capturing the essence of the person. Right. You know, when what I see is 
the image is being captured, and then the post-processing is, as you say, it's a false beauty. Right. This, is, this is not the person. This person does not have flawless skin. This, for, this person has imperfections in their skin, but is not being shown in the photograph. That is not a rendition of that person. And to me, portraiture is about creating a rendition or a mirror of the person you're shooting. All right. That makes sense. All right, so hopefully in time, because there's so many different people with so many different opinions, hopefully we get more persons. Oh, in, indeed, and everybody's entitled. To, I mean, this is just my opinion. Yeah. I'm not saying whether it's, it has to it's be right or wrong. Right. It's just, it's just, it's just, it. you know, it's just my opinion. Yeah, so no calls, no comments saying that, oh, he doesn't, he's body shaming or whatever. No, no I, it's just an opinion. So if you don't like the opinion, you know, you have your own. It is what it is. Big, it is what it is, exactly. We, we don't all don't, don't like sushi. Some people do, some people don't. Exactly. So don't get upset about it. Exactly. All right. So I want to thank every for coming on this uh, episode and just want to advise everyone that this podcast is made possible by the Creative Center Bahamas where you can rent studio space for photographers or any type of art class uh, you can always give them a call or check them out on Facebook uh, or Instagram I want to thank my guest Gildan Gilbert the sports photographer here in the Bahamas uh, between the Bahamas and Bermuda for coming on and having a chat with us and just explaining to us his idea and again his opinion on photography mm -hmm. and his lifestyle so thank you again for coming on and we hope to see you guys around.